Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week we are joined by Ben Winston, showrunner for the Late Late Show. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, JJ Reddick. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast. We've had a couple of great guests lately, Jerry Ferrara and Bill Simmons. This week we'll be joined by Ben Winston, a close friend of mine, the showrunner and producer for The Late Late Show with James Corden on CBS. Before we get to Ben, real quick, we're actually going to start this week's show with this week's four on four. As some of you may know who listen to this podcast on a regular basis or follow me on social media, my wife is expecting we are expecting our child to come on August 24th, which is this Wednesday. For any parents out there that have had kids in the last few years, I think that naming kids in 2016 is a very difficult process. There just seems like there's so many names to choose from. When I was born in the 80s, it seemed like there was maybe like 12 names. It was, it was Jonathan, Robert, James. It's very simple. Very straight to the point, very traditional. Nowadays, you get names like Knox, which is my son's first name. And we couldn't follow Knox up with a traditional name. We almost named Knox a traditional name, but when we went with Knox and we found out that the second kid we were having was also a boy, we had to get something a little bit different. I think we've settled on a name. Oh, I hope we've settled on a name. We've got two days to go. But we ran through about 16 different names. I mean, literally, this kid was called 16 different names during this pregnancy. So this week's 4 and 4, real quick, are the four names we didn't use that lasted the longest. In other words, this kid might have been called some of these names for weeks on end. The first one is Milo. This was the longest name that this kid had. My son Knox was indirectly named after a band Knox Hamilton. So we thought maybe we should name the second boy also after a band. There's a band here in LA um, that I've become good friends with that have released a couple albums called Milo Green. So we were going to name this kid Milo. In fact, we called him Milo for so long that at one point when we asked Knox, hey, what's your little brother's name? He said Milo. So Milo was a name for a while. It's not the name. Leo was another name. That's the second name that that got a lot of run. Um, Leo, of course, won an Oscar this year. It was his first Oscar win. So we thought that'd be cool. 2016, Leo, it's a great name. Ultimately, we decided no on that. Then there was a couple one-syllable names that we were so close to. One was Stone. I'm not sure why we liked that, but it sounded cool. It was like a rock, Stone. But then, of course, Spencer Hawes told me, sounds like Stone Cold Steve Austin. So we decided not to do that. And then the fourth name that got a lot of run was Ace. I thought that was cool. Those are the four names, though. Milo, Leo, Stone, and Ace. None of those names are we're actually going to use, but those are the names. If you're on Twitter, tweet me, because I feel like this is a very difficult process in 2016 to name your child. If you've had a similar experience, I'd love to hear about it on Twitter. Tweet me at JJ Reddick. Now let's get to this week's guest. We are joined by a repeat guest this week, Ben Winston, executive producer and showrunner for The Late Late Show on CBS. Ben, I appreciate you coming on the show. My absolute pleasure. Delighted to be back. I feel like uh, very honored that I'm able to come on a second time. This is very exciting for me. In a way, this is back by popular demand. I feel like you have something of a cult following, (laughs) although you have like twice as many Twitter followers as me. (laughs) But you have a cult following on this podcast. I get a lot of people that come up to me randomly, either like, you know, at the gym or on the streets, and they'll be like, hey, man, I listened to the podcast. You know what episode was really good, surprisingly? The Ben Winston episode. Well, that is, I feel very honored. I feel very honored. I think it was because we quizzed you a bit, JJ. I feel like, you know, you have a lot of people on, and we hear about their life, and I think I was very aware that people wouldn't necessarily want to hear about Corden <laughs> or his show or me, so I sort of turned it on you, which we'll do again tonight for sure. Even yesterday, somebody sent something along the lines of, I love the Bill Simmons episode, 
It was my second favorite. <laughs> second to Ben Winston. <laughs> well, my wife's a big fan of mine. And uh, she and my mother tweet you a lot. And they definitely enjoyed me being on this podcast. Very nice to be back with you. Thank you. I, I know how, you're... Enjoy, how are you enjoying your summer of not doing anything? Like as in, you know, because half of the year or th- two thirds of the year, yeah. you don't have a social life in any way. You're playing. How many games do you play a season? About a hundred. Hundred games a season, which is like that's a lot. Where I, you know, football. I'm a big football fan. I don't mean NFL football. I mean proper football with your feet. Football. And like you're playing sort of 40, 50 games a season. So, but they at least have a life in the middle. Whereas you're all over the country. Do you then get like quite bored when it gets to like the summer where you're just like knocking around the house with nothing really to do? <laughs> There's a stretch of the summer that's really tough. The first couple of weeks after the season ends, it's it's. I don't want to say it's a relief because you're disappointed, but you're like you're kind of in decompress mode. Okay. And then there's there's like a month to four to six weeks basically where you're just absolutely bored out of your mind, and yeah. that's usually like the June to mid July. Because it is weird because it's a long break. If you go out, it's like five months. It you, could be five months. So if so, how much how long will you actually have off this summer? Well. I, we lost right around May first. Yeah, so five, we had five, five month off season. Yeah, we start five off, months. I think training camp starts like September twenty seventh. Yeah, and so that's a five months is a long old holiday. I mean, that's not a bad living. <laughs> I mean, that's quite impressive <laughs> for the amount you get paid. Five, if somebody said to me, "You only need to work seven months of the year, and I'll pay you millions of dollars," I'd be like, "Shit, I'm living. This is great." <laughs> I'm afraid it's not that simple. Because Terrific summer, that is. I mean, amazing. I, mean, I, mean, I used, to think, you, I used be, to think when I was at school, when I got six weeks off, I was like, over the moon. You lot, five months off. It's unbelievable. It's robbing a living. It's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. Well, You've good been luck, around me all summer. I don't think... I, I think you well, know I've seen you not, a lot more. Yeah. I've seen but, you a lot but more. But I, I would say that I haven't been idle. I've been very busy. Gardening. <laughs> Uh, looking after your very pregnant wife. Yes. No, I've been uh, training. I've coming been to training. soccer games with me. We did. We went to an Arsenal game. Yeah. You actually got to see a real sport up close. Yeah. It was exciting for you. No, it, it's been a very long summer between my wife being pregnant. We didn't really travel this summer. We haven't left the state of California. And then just kind of being in the gym, you yes. know, working. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know, training I mean, going for to the my gym craft. Is a, sure. No, I appreciate that you've been going to the gym. Most people would call that a hobby. No, they would. Like, you know, like I don't go if it, like, I don't go to the gym. But if I did, I wouldn't go. I'm working really hard. I've been in the gym. Like work for most people is an office. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Listen, it's great. Good luck to you. Five months off a year. It's terrific. You know, my office is the well, gym. Before we get into, well, God, well, you were you were going to start and I've already jeopardized your podcast. No, what were you going to say? Time. What were we going to say? Well, I was going to say. I was going to ask you about the Olympics. Can we talk about the Olympics quickly? Because it's sort of this summer. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because you don't... Like, I think we're going to, by the way, I think the gold medal game is Sunday. So we'll be on after So that. we'll be on the day after. This, right. will, this will be out on Monday. So America have just won the gold medal at the Olympics. <laughs> let's hope so. Well, let's assume so. Yeah. And was there a part of you, and I know you spoke about this briefly on the podcast, was there a part of you that would have liked to have been in the Olympic squad, especially with Coach K yeah. and... Is there was there a part of you that was disappointed that you weren't in there or was relieved? Would you have even gone if you had been selected, considering how pregnant your wife is? <laughs> so straight to it, Jay. Yeah, let's get to it. Come let's on. get to it. Chelsea is giving birth on the twenty fourth. We've scheduled a C section for the twenty fourth. The gold wow. medal game. I feel like we've got a tabloid exclusive yeah, game. The gold medal exciting. game is the twenty first. Right. Is on Sunday. And so it was cutting it close, and, and Coach called me and said, you you know, are on the short, long list. Sure. The short, long list of yeah. names uh, that could be you know, asked to do it. Would you be interested? If I bring you up, your name up, I want to make sure that you're at least interested. And I said, I'm not giving you a yes now, but yes, I would be interested. Okay. Had he asked me, my wife and I probably would have fought for about 24 hours, yeah. but I would have said yes. I absolutely want to you be in gone. Rio. And, and to be honest with you, that's very. I like that I'm, honesty. I'm a little bitter that I'm not there. Wow. If I'm being honest, because you look at Harrison Barnes and you go, I should be in that. No, spot. it's not about. It's not about Harrison. <laughs> no, Barnes I mean, or I'm any not, other guy. You're not, I'm not. You're not taking Clay Thompson's <laughs> spot. But you look at Harrison Barnes <laughs> sitting on that bench. You think I could do that job? <laughs> Fuck, come no, on. I, th- I think I could help the for team. For sure. I you think absolutely I could. Help could. The team. But no, I think for me, just, I, I'm competitive, and I for and sure. I thought this was my best chance back in 2008. I wrote down this like list of things, and it was like a very short list. It was like five things that I hoped to do in my life. Some of them were out of my control. Like one, for example, was have a, have a son, mm. like be a father to a, a son, and that ended up happening. It's going to happen twice now. Yes, pretty awesome. But right. other things were like playing the Olympics, and so this was sort of when my best you, shot and my last shot. When did you write this list? 
sort of around the time I started dating my wife. So, so 2008. You? Yeah. you wrote a list of stuff you wanted to achieve, yeah. like a, a bucket list almost. A bucket list, yeah, like have and a son, Oli- play in the Olympics. Wow. I think so this one is of quite them a big pr- deal for you then, that you yeah, didn't get that been. squad. And so I'm a little bitter, because this was my last chance. Did he call you and say you haven't made the squad? He called me. Chelsea and I were, were on a little mini vacation in Big Sur, California, uh-huh. celebrating our anniversary and my birthday. And he called me uh, the day of my birthday. And he, he said, well, he texted me and he said, are you available? And I called him back and he said, hey, I just want to let you know, happy birthday. And God. you're not on the Olympic no. team. Have you spoken about this on the podcast before? Um, I think I talked about it on Bill Simmons' show on oh, HBO, okay. but I've not spoken about it on the podcast. Yeah, He literally called you and said, happy birthday. Happy Pam. birthday and Unlucky. you're not on the Olympic team. And, and how did you feel instantly? Did you feel a sense of disappointment or relief? Because it's a huge commitment. Well, the, there was a sense of relief that, that the tough decision wouldn't have to be made. Again, I'd be leaving a, yeah. a nine-month pregnant woman, you know, with a two-year-old toddler. So she would have been fuming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she would have been supportive. But she might have had to move in into your guest bedroom. She would have had to move into our guest bedroom. We would have. Had you and pleasure. Mary would have had Me to Mary look after Knox for a couple months. Yeah, I'd have loved that. He's a great guy. <laughs> um, but that is something else. Because also, they haven't been. Like, I could say this, and you maybe can't. They haven't been as convincing as you'd think an American team should be at the Olympics. It's been winning by single digits, where, let's be honest, the NBA is the center of basketball around the world. I don't think you're looking at China and going... Oh, that's gonna, they're going to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and they should be doing better than they're doing, even though we're probably speaking after they've won a gold medal, which, like you say, we don't know yet if they're going to. Well, they haven't lost a game since two thousand six, so their standard and sort of their bar is set pretty high. Yeah. So for them to sort of exceed people's expectations, they're going to need to win by sixty, which I think is a little unrealistic. Yes. There's two parts of this. The first part is, of course, that the team itself doesn't have our best players. Meaning LeBron's not there, Steph's not there. We have great players on the team, but I yeah. don't know that those are the twelve best USA basketball. They're players. more representative of yeah. And the second thing, because of all these guys sort of dropping out, and there were different factors, whether it was fatigue from the finals or you know the threat of Zika. I know some guys that was a reason for them not doing it. They kind of had to scramble so to put the roster together. So the second part of that, I think, is I don't necessarily think. And maybe I'll catch some flack for this, but I don't necessarily think that it's the best constructed roster. Like they could use a six four ish like white shooter. I think, I think <laughs> it would help. Do you know? Do you know what they are? What you, I think you have missed out on though by not being in the squad, the strip clubs in Rio. <laughs> have you heard from DeAndre about them? I have not. He has right. not Facetimed me since he's been in Rio. Right, but I they did. Who who did, went to that strip club that night? No, it was, it was DJ. A, it was a brothel. It was, it was a, a brothel. Brothel. Straight but brothel. They straight, it was let's a not go. Let's not bother with the strip club. <laughs> let's, let's go, go straight, straight full blown sex. Yeah. yeah, no teasing. Straight to sex. <laughs> yeah, I see. I had. I don't know if I had DJ down as a brothel kind of dude. Well, but speaking maybe he of is. DJ, this is something we, I wanted to talk to you about. But DJ comes out and says, and he's my teammate. I love DJ. But he comes out gold and medal said, over NBA championship. The gold medal is more prestigious, or it's whatever. I can't remember. Yeah, the exact he said. Quote, I, but think, it's more I think important. he said something like it's more important to him yeah. uh, to win an Olympic gold medal than it's it a is. Bigger and deal. It's a bigger deal than to win an NBA. Championship. And what did you think when he said I that? I couldn't disagree with him more. I mean, oh, I, you, you I, totally disagree. Totally disagree. But then, let on, me t- let me tell you why. Okay. Because in in most Olympic sports, in most Olympic sports, swimming, track and field, archery, yeah, skiing, yeah, oh, you get your opportunity once every four years. So you're training for four years. So it's a little. There's bit, no other contest that matter. World championships once every two Correct. years, but the Olympics are kind of the standard bearer for your sport. Whereas in basketball. Right. They're putting these teams together two to four weeks before the Olympics. You yeah. have a month period. There's no there's no like growth process. It's gotta yeah. happen sort of very quickly. So the training is totally different in, in Olympic basketball. And then when you factor in the, the length of a season and the grind re- required to get through an eighty two game season and then to win sixteen playoff games, four seven game series, it's just harder to do. Yeah, but you know what? The, when he said that you know when you were a kid and you used to go on like, holiday, you used to go on vacation with your friends and you used to think like with your vacation buddies and it'd be like, this is the best time I've ever had in my life and you all get swept up in it and say you were going to stay in touch forever and then you get back to real life and you realise that it was just a holiday and you were never going to be friends anymore. That's probably what he feels like with his teammates right now. <laughs> They've all gone away, they're on the bus, they're wearing the same uniforms, they're singing every day on the coach, they're 
going to games and getting massage. It's all having a great, they're going to brothels together. They're having a great time. And they, he's probably just got a bit carried away with the vacation and gone. But it's not just We're having him. the time of our life. But it's not just him. Yeah, We've got got two other guys that have, Carmelo and I think one other guy, have said that the the Olympic gold medal. Well, Carmelo did actually. I take that back. I don't want to. I don't want to misquote Carmelo because Carmelo said if I retired and didn't yeah. win an NBA championship, and I look back on my career, and I had three Olympic gold medals, yeah, and an NCAA title, and accomplished individually everything that I've accomplished in the NBA, I can look back and be proud of my career. Which I totally agree with that statement. But there's been DeAndre, and then I I believe it was a Duke guy, Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I think it was Kyrie who though, has won, who has won an NBA championship. Yeah. who says that a, a gold medal's yeah, it, that's a, a bigger deal. A, but you know what? Maybe they the, look. They are the generation who they sat there in 1992. They watched the American Dream Team win the Olympics. You probably watched that Olympics, and that's probably what led you to write it down on a list that you wanted to do it because that's where dreams were made. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, sort of... no, but my dream has always been to win an NBA championship or an NCAA championship. I think for me, the reason the Olympics was a big deal was because I got to represent my country. Yeah. And so if, if the value of representing your country is that much greater than sort of winning an NBA championship with your club, your mm. team, then I can't argue with that, but I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe I accept that. that. I know. They're probably saying it because they feel it out there. If you had gone, do you think you would have been frustrated, not necessarily always starting? And how do you think you would have got on with Boogie Cousins considering he broke your arm? <laughs> okay. <laughs> First of all, yeah. I would totally be fine being Harrison Barnes and being the 12th okay. guy. Okay. Um, that would be fine. Okay. And I'm not knocking Harrison because I think... I don't think you are. I think it's great that he's he's on the team. But the Boogie thing, I, we talked about this on the podcast before. We, yeah. We all vacation sort of at the same time. Well, yeah, last we met. Just, yeah, we we met each other. For those couple- that didn't listen to the first podcast with Ben, <laughs> well, you're going to download it now after this gold. Uh, you you uh, we met on vacation. Yeah, and it just so happened that at that same hotel at that same time, Boogie Cousins was also staying there, and the two of you had visible beef with each other. I defused any tension. Well, you had vis- to me. You had visible beef. There were glares across the <laughs> there swimming was pool. Not. There was at not. dinner. You were sitting on opposite <laughs> sides. You were bitter. You had the thing. He pushed you. You broke your wrist. Uh, look, you know, it was years ago. It was years ago. I'm only joking. There was no beef whatsoever. No. Where there was beef, though, was that he would take donkey rides <laughs> on the beach, horse rides, horse rides, <laughs> yeah. and he would sit on the horse and dr- and go up and down the beach with his girlfriend and mother and. And the horse really took a battering that trip. You could see there was a real dip in his back <laughs> after a week of boogie running around. But you, you would have got on great at the Olympics with him. Anyway, there you go. I think it's very honest of you to say you're disappointed, though. I'm yeah. pleased you've said that. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Ben, guys like us, we are always in need of a quality suit, and I need to tell my listeners about Indochino. Indochino is reinventing men's fashion. You can customize the details you want, pick your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. There's 14 unique measurements that go into making a suit that fits you perfectly. And you can't go wrong with the well-crafted 100% merino wool suit. Also, check out their made-to-measure dress shirts and men's accessories. Made-to-measure suits are now affordable and available to the masses thanks to Indochino. When you look good, you'll feel good, and you'll feel confident. Your look, your way. So here's the deal. The code is JJ, and there's a money-back guarantee. Today, my listeners get any premium suit for just $399. That's up to a 50% off discount at Indochino.com when entering JJ at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. There's no reason not to try your first custom-made suit with a deal this good. And a suit classic from their premium collection will look good, feel good, and last. That's Indochino.com. Use the promo code JJ for any premium suit for just $399 and free shipping. Indochino, your look, your way. And now a word from Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. 
It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash JJ. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. I want to talk about you a little bit. Okay, let's do it. Because I, I feel like I talk about myself a lot, just in general. So a lot has happened yeah. since the last time you've been on the podcast. Probably the most noteworthy thing, well, you and Mary are expecting a child. That is the most noteworthy thing. Yeah, which... Congratulations. Thank you very much. But in your professional life, the Late Late Show with James Corden was nominated for four Emmys, the most of any daily late night show. I'm going to just real quick, a nomination for Outstanding Variety Talk Series, Mm -hmm. a nomination for Outstanding Directing for Variety Series, Outstanding Interactive Program, and the fourth nomination was for Outstanding Variety Special. Yeah. This is your first year of doing the show. This this is a huge deal. Yeah, it is. You know, it's one of those things where you're not supposed to care about these things. You're supposed to pretend that you don't. And and also, I, I don't think in my career before I've ever cared as much about a nomination or an award or anything because I don't always know, you know, I don't think they mean a huge amount sometimes. But on this occasion, it's hard for it not to. Uh, I think it's the first time a 12.30 show has been nominated. Also, like you say, you know, to get more nominations than our rivals was pretty incredible for us. And yeah, it's it's been a wonderful thing. You know, we we started on air at the same time as Larry Wilmore's show. And this week was his, yeah, they announced it was his last week. And it was really ironic because when we came and started this show, it was at the same time as Larry and everyone went, we're so excited. Larry's got his own show. That's brilliant. Who's this guy, James Corden on CBS? Why aren't they going for somebody like Larry Wilmore? And it was really interesting because here we are now and, you know, we're in a decent position and, and it's a shame that Larry's show isn't working, but it just brought it home to me that like how lucky we are and what a great position we're in. I also just didn't think we were, I was, it was funny. I, I tried to not let the nominations play on my mind at all, tried to ignore it, but I couldn't not because there's all this stuff that goes around Emmy season where you go and give talks and you do interviews for magazines and stuff. And then the morning of, they announced it at like, I think it was like nine thirty in the morning. It was early. I, I yeah. think it might have been earlier than that. What, you think 8? Well, we were texting that mor- morning. Yeah. And I saw it. I, the first t- thing I saw it, was on Twitter. But then Yeah, it would have been around texting. 9 o'clock, I yeah, think, okay. because it would have probably been about midday in New York. So it was about 9 o'clock in LA, and I wake up like bang at like 4 in the morning. And I, you know, I'm embarrassed to even say I care that much, but I did. I woke up at 4 a.m. and I was just like pacing around. And you started drinking. Well, no, I was just angry, actually. I was, I, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I was really angry that we hadn't been nominated. It got to like 4.30, 5 o'clock, and I was like, well, we obviously haven't been nominated because it's our first year and we're a 12.30 show. But how dare, like, we so deserve it. And those other shows, why are they getting over? And I came into the office because I just couldn't stay at home anymore. And I was like, I literally turned up here at like 6.30 in the morning and had to unlock the door and let myself into my office and lock the door so nobody could come in because I didn't want to be disturbed because I was so angry that we hadn't been nominated prepping myself for the fact that i knew we wouldn't be so that when it got announced i would just be well you know i knew i knew it that's you've already had your your five yeah. hours of anger so then when it happened and you could like we're sat in my office now actually and the door was shut and i just heard this sort of eruption from all the offices all around the building and we were celebrating one and as we were celebrating them we heard a second third and fourth sort of came in like dripped in five minutes later because we we just wanted to get a nod for something so this was, anyway, this was beyond your expectations then to get four. Yeah, if to get one would have been beyond my expectations. Genuinely, like you know, it's one of those things. It, it doesn't matter so much because it's not like winning a championship or achieving something in sport or doing something significant. Because people enjoy our show, and that's all that matters. I guess for us, it was just we felt like the show had officially got a stamp of approval from our peers. And like, yes, it's great that we do well on Twitter and we do well on YouTube and people like Carpool Karaoke and all that stuff. But it was a moment where the Emmy community and there's and they are all the people who make great television had turned around in their thousands and gone, yeah, we actually really, we hadn't heard of you a year and a half ago, but actually we like your show enough to give it more nominations than your Fallons, your Kimmels, your Colbert's, whatever. And that meant a great deal considering we love those other shows and think they're brilliant. So, so it was validation in a sense. It was a bit, and also That's important. I mean, I think I do. Yeah, I, I mean, I booked here. I I only paid rent for six months when I came out to America because I wouldn't pay for a year because I I just you you got to assume you're going to be axed. 
You've got to assume that a television show in America made by a guy who no one's ever heard of, James Corden, who's, you know, you know, this brilliantly talented person, but no one had actually heard of him here. And me, I'd never made a show in America. Granted, we got a really safe pair of hands in Rob Crabb, who's my co-exec on the show and is a brilliant genius who's worked for years here. But like, ultimately, you know, I, I guess proof's in the pudding. I only rented my house for six months because I thought I'd be going home. And here we are a year and a half later and I get to make a second appearance on the podcast. I mean, I've made it. <laughs> You've made it. Second Call appearance home, on Reddick's Mama, podcast. I know. My so family, meanwhile, are Take devastated. me through that morning, though. So so you're in your office. Yeah. You're, you've got a huge team here. Yeah, we a got A lot about, of people you love. Yeah, and, 130 and, people work on yeah, this show. And so it's got to feel good for everybody. What was sort of the environment and the mood in the office once the nominations came in? Well, it was... We, truthfully... I was drunk by 11.30. Genuinely, I was. I was absolutely steaming drunk by 11.30. But lots of people, when you start a show or when they've been on the show and they're thanking you for something or when they pull out of a show and say, I'll admit, but they send you a gift and the gift's always champagne. Oh, you mean like the guests? The guests of the show? Just people in general, like on your birthday. Like champagne is something that people send as a gift to me. I don't know why. I hate champagne. I've never enjoyed it. Don't like it. Don't drink it. And, uh... So, but in my office, I had tons of bottles of champagne that had been like collecting themselves for like a year and a half. And like some of them, somebody sent us a bottle of champagne that was like six grand worth after the Tonys to congratulate us on the Tonys. And it was just sat there. And I thought, well, I'm never going to open that. But we just thought, literally, I, we got all the team together, Rob and I. And unfortunately, James was in England, so he couldn't celebrate with us. We gathered all the team together and we just hammered like. 40 or 50 bottles of champagne that had been sent into us over the last year and a half and i was at, i mean yeah i mean i was steaming drunk i really was i'd love to say i wasn't it's not an impressive thing to say these 40 or 50 bottles of champagne <laughs> yeah. you drank them room temperature well i put the more expensive <laughs> ones were had gone in the fridge the night before just in case but uh oh, whoa, 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 whoa. well no so you you actually just in case well no there not was just a in case, cause we, I, I knew there wouldn't be but i thought we could drown our sorrows either way I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't overthink that. I didn't give it much thought. But yes, we did get had a. We, we also were very lucky because we didn't have a show that day. It was we were all coming back from our hiatus, so it was on the Thursday morning. And fun enough, everyone had the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, so everyone was back. But I did. Yes, you're, I did put some bottles of champagne, so you can read of that into what you will. <laughs> that I did put some in in the in so the fridge. maybe somewhere on your somewhere subconscious my, level. Well, I felt you we were deser- confident. Well, I felt we deserved it. I just thought you've yeah. got to go by history and seen that, you know, it was very unusual to happen. But there we are. You just brought up the Tonys, by the way. Yeah. And you produced the Tonys. Yes, I did, yeah. Uh, James hosted the Tonys. Yes. Um, I watched it. It was Did you? Fantastic. Had you ever watched the Tonys before? I had never watched the Tonys. <laughs> and actually, you guys got amazing ratings. Yeah, we did, yeah. It was like are. the best ratings in, what, 15, 20 years, something like that? Yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah okay, there. all right. Yeah, all right. You know, that was. It was about that. Yeah. Um, I think that was something to do with Hamilton as well. It was a Hamilton sure. year, but it was a it was an amazing thing to do to produce an American awards ceremony. It was fantastic. I worked alongside Glenn and Ricky, who do that every year, and it was a it was an amazing thing to do. It was a real challenge, but I loved it. Really loved it. So James had this opening number, which was about five and a half minutes of him dancing and singing. Yeah, he was all amazing. these different Broadway songs. Yeah, we and, did like and, a medley of every musical it was incredible to star in yeah it was a big old job we worked on that for a few months he finished it up and he's not out of breath he might have (laughs) been sweating i'm not sure that's not true but But he finished it up and i just thought to myself like this guy is incredibly talented yeah incredibly talented and a couple weeks later i was actually reading an article uh, about you yeah it was a q a and you told this story and i want you to tell the story about when you and James first met on the mm. set of a sitcom in England. Yeah. And sort of the moment you knew that James had real talent. Well, we I was 17 or 18 years old and I was a PA on a show called Teachers, which actually starred Andrew Lincoln, who's the lead in The Walking Dead. And James was young. I mean, he's a bit older than me. He's like four years older than me, I think, or whatever. But So he was probably 21, 22 maybe. And uh, he had a very small part in it. He had like a few scenes. That was it. But we were filming up in a place called Bristol, which is three hours outside of London where we both lived. So we met on set. And we sort of hung out a little bit because we were all away from home. And the first thing I'd say is we sort of recognized ambition in each other. I was getting people teas and coffees and doing photocopying. But I think he recognized in me that I had a determination to succeed in this industry. And with him as an actor, he had a very, very small role. But I could tell 
that he was going to be a hugely successful actor, comedian, and whatever he went out to be. But there was, there, there, I mean, it is funny. There was one thing that I do remember quite specifically. Because we were all staying away from home, we went out one night to a karaoke bar in Bristol. And it was the most depressing place you've ever seen. Like, literally, it was like 10 people in the room drowning their sorrows, drinking pints of beer like their life depended on it, looking like they're all on suicide watch. There was a woman in the corner singing I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, like, terribly. And James and me and a few of the other cast members from Teachers and crew members went in there and James, without us knowing, put his name down and said, oh, I want to do a song. And they, you know, the the man on the who was hosting it went, OK, good evening, everybody. Uh, next song will be by James Corden. Could James Corden come up to the front? And we all started laughing because we thought, oh, this would be funny. And James did a Robbie Williams song. He's not very famous here, but he's very huge in the UK and Europe. Let Me Entertain You was the song. And he literally just performed the hell out of it. I've never seen anything like it in my life. He sung, he danced, he was up on the tables. And everybody, that moment, the pub turned into like the most electric atmosphere. Everybody was dancing, everybody was up, everybody was like, just the mood of the place switched. And that's what James has the ability to do. He can walk into any room and turn it and make it a different place and make it a different environment and make you feel comfortable and like you're having a great time. And it was at that moment that I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, this is... I was 18 years old looking at the most talented man I'd ever met in my life, without question. And I, it was a very significant moment because I was like, oh my God, I really like and respect this guy. And then we, we've been friends for years since then. I mean, he, I was best man at his wedding. He, he was master of ceremonies at mine. He was furious he wasn't best man, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> and then we've worked together on and off. I've directed him in a few bits and bobs and produced him on a few things. But we haven't really worked together as, obviously, significantly until this show. And luckily, we haven't driven each other mad, and it's worked really well. But it's been a lovely relationship. It's one of been, you know, one of the most rewarding partnerships and relationships of my life, probably outside of the one I have with my wife. It's been brilliant. It sounds like, you know, despite you guys having a a ton of talent here on the Late Late Show, whether it's in production, uh, direction, writing, whatever it may be, James is really what makes the show tick. He's what makes Carpool Karaoke such a smashing success. Yeah. Oh, he is. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal because he makes everybody feel comfortable. He's hilariously funny without being a cynical comedian who can put people down. And so, therefore, so much comedy is about laughing at someone. And with James, his, we're all laughing together. No one's the butt of a joke yeah. with Corden. And I think that's, that's why... That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and I think that's why he's resonated with America because I actually think that somebody at late night who is just a lover and is a unifier is, is a really wonderful thing. Can I divert for a second? Because I've suddenly thought about something that happened a few days before the Emmy nominations. And that was, I was in the edit. I literally just come to me. I was in the edit and uh, Nick Bernstein, who is the vice president of Late Night here and a huge basketball fan, really great guy. I was in the edit and we and, and I was cutting this bit and it was about to go live two hours later. So I'm like, you know, frantically working and focused and concentrating. And he knocks on the door of the edit and he goes, Ben, can I just have a minute with you? And I was like, no, I, I don't have time right now. I've got to finish this. I've got to finish this piece. And he's like, it's it's quite important. I, I, I need to speak to you for a second. I was like, what is it? What is it? He comes and he goes, look, I don't want to alarm you or upset you, but JJ Reddick's been traded to Memphis. <laughs> and I was like, What? And he went, JJ's gone to Memphis. It's all over Twitter. It's been retweeted by ESPN. I just thought you should know. I mean, the edit fell apart. <laughs> I was like, I've lost my best mate here. What's the fuck's going on? Excuse my language. I was like, Memphis. I was like, we've, you cannot be serious that you're going to Memphis. And I remember just frantically calling you and going, trying to get hold of you and saying, is this true? Is this true? Suddenly thinking about my wife who's pregnant and your wife's pregnant and how they, we're going to have children together and <laughs> hanging out at the weekends and appearing on podcasts. And he's all over. <laughs> it's all over. He's going to go to Memphis. And uh, was that a significant moment for you in the summer? Did you think for a second, did you think, oh my God, have I actually been traded? Is this true? Do you even find out that stuff? I mean, granted, it was only an hour right. of panic because we got hold of each other. Right. 
But how was that? Was a I, weird I, thing to I happen brief, to you this summer? I briefly talked about this right after it had happened because I, I did share a little anecdote of that story from my end. But we were we were grilling out. We had had family over. Um, our family from New York was visiting, and uh, we were just grilling out in the backyard. And I hadn't really looked at my phone, even though the draft was it was ongoing. This oh, is the that end, night, wasn't it? Was it? The night it was of the, the, the draft. draft. So this is around June twenty fifth or twenty sixth, whenever okay. the draft was. Yeah. And so I, I, I went back in. I knew that we had, you know, the 25th pick, I want to say. So I went back in to check what pick it was, and it was like pick number 15. So I was like, oh, just let me look at my phone, look at me, look on Twitter and see what's going on. And as soon as I picked up my phone, it said incoming call, doc. So I'm like, this is not a good time for your GM to be calling you in the middle of the NBA draft. That's usually an omen that you're getting traded. So Did, then, so did that go through your head then? Oh, it was the first thought. You're like, oh, my God, I'm they traded, traded. Jeez. And so I, I said, bastards. hey, what's up? And, and Doc basically said, apparently your trade value has plummeted because we just traded you to Memphis, you know, for a future pick in Brandon Wright. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, it's a joke. There's a fake Twitter account, a fake Mark Stein ESPN Twitter account. And uh, I guess people thought it was real and they started retweeting <sighs> it. Did. So what I did was I, I so I'm like, I go on Twitter and I immediately found the fake account, and the fake tweet. But there was legitimately, you know, all these verified checks on my timeline of NBA writers and media personalities that I follow who had either retweeted it or made a comment like, oh, Reddick to Memphis. That's a good deal for Memphis. Well, it wasn't even the reason why I panicked was it wasn't even a debate. It wasn't like, is this true? It right. was like, well, it's good business by Memphis. I'm surprised. But then I guess he's only got a year left. And I was like, oh, my God, this is but I, like Nick had ruined my I mean, the, the show ended up terrible that night. you ruined. Uh, it's lucky the Emmy voters weren't watching that night because it was pretty bad. But um, that is a bizarre thing to happen. But uh, it is a bizarre thing to happen. But you know what? It pretty much from the draft until the end of the trade deadline next February, whenever that's done, I'm going to be a little on edge. And because the, the last time I was a free agent, you know, I got traded. Mm. And I don't think I'm going to get traded from LA. And I have no indication that that's going to happen. But, you know, in the past, your contract year, you know, you would, you would sort of get moved if the team didn't want to bring you back. And, and that, of course, happened to me. Uh, during my last year in Orlando. So it's going to be on the back of my mind. I don't think it'll well, happen. Well, let me ask but... you something then, because it is the last year. Can we talk about the fact it's the last year of your contract? Sure. Does that play on your mind during this season, that you've only got one more year left? Does it play on your mind that you're either playing for a new deal or proving yourself or trying to stay fit? Like, does yeah. does it? Do you try and put it to the back of your mind, or is it just something that you can't really ignore? I think... The goal is to put it to the back of your mind. It's hard not to think about it in certain situations. And, and so, some of the steps that I took the last time I was a free agent, I'll probably take again. And, and I might even go to even further extremes. And, and some of those steps are just like staying off Twitter. <laughs> but staying why? off what, social what, media. What's the relevance because of the last year you did? I don't want to see the rumors. I don't want to see my name getting mentioned amongst free agents. I, don't, I, I want my focus to be on the Clippers. Yeah. I want my focus to be on, you know, sort of what I can control. And I, that's been a big part of my life is sort of, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized, okay, now I've got to focus on just what I can control. So like this summer, for instance, like, of course, I'm thinking about next summer. You see all these contracts being handed out. Uh, the, the cap is supposed to go up a little bit more next summer. So you, you sort of think about, you know, a, a new deal. But for me, I, I think the perspective I have to keep is, you know, regardless of what happens, I, I want to have a job next summer. I mean, that's the goal, to have a job. And so if I can control the shape that I'm in, the amount of work that I put in, how I am as a teammate, the preparation that goes into every game, sort of the things that I've always done, then I think I'll have a good well, sort of quote-unquote contract year. But it won't be any different. I guess my point is my preparation and my approach isn't different. It's just your mindset. You just start thinking about it a little bit more. Yeah, but then does it make you... Do you approach it and go, are you excited about it or are you worried about it? Because on the one hand, you'd be worried about it because let's be frank, first day of the season, God forbid, you could get a terrible injury and then actually it's a really worrying time for you because you don't have the security of a long-term contract. On the other hand, it's exciting because it's a step up potentially or you know it's re it's re-upping with the clippers and committing yourself to the club that you enjoy playing for a great deal and so therefore it's it's sort of bittersweet in a way it's sort of insecurity but also quite an exciting time <laughs> that's a good way to put it it's insecurity with the potential for security yeah. i think i'll be less worrisome it'll be less worrisome this time just because 
I know that you know I'll have a podcasting career to fall back on. That's the thing. <laughs> that's I mean, that's the thing. the thing. I mean, really, you're going to be a full time spokesman for SeatGeek. <laughs> this is the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. As a lot of you may know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look for tickets to see Coldplay. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work, and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code JJ. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. Now, let's get back to Ben. You're listening to the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Do clubs call your agent all year trying to tap you up? No. Okay. When is that illegal? Do, that's, that's, technically, it, that's illegal. Well, it's illegal because you know, see, in England, there's always conversations. I think there's always conversations. Yeah, you, 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 yeah. It's hard to avoid them. I mean, look, everybody kind of sees each other at All Star Break or Summer League, and so th- there's conversations that happen throughout the year. Everybody's got each other's call and yeah i mean it's you know what i found number. you know what i found strange about america's but obviously i you know we we said this last time i've only got into basketball in the last year and a half since i've known you since i've moved to america before i'm a massive soccer man go to arsenal home and away and that's my sport although i've got hugely into basketball and it's replaced my football addiction that i've lost by moving out of london but what i find really funny is and you won't want to talk about this which is exactly why i'm bringing it up um what somebody gets paid is public in NBA, whereas in soccer, no one would ever—you'd never know what anyone gets paid. But here, what? It's all public, right? Yeah. Is that not a very odd thing? I've always found it to be very odd. It's so weird that people will and know the, what you get and paid. The thing is, it's not like like I'm not the one disclosing my salary. Of course not. The team Do technically they? is not the one disclosed. Like they're not making a public announcement. Hey, you know, you know, three years ago, hey, we signed JJ Redick to a four-year contract, and here's his salary for the next three years. But somehow, and my salary is like, it's based on a number which is based on then a percentage raise each year, and so there's like, it's like very specific dollars. It's like you know, the last three numbers are like two hundred and ninety-two dollars and forty-seven cents, and. Those are the numbers that get reported. Like you can just Google any athlete's name in America. But isn't that and their strange? Comes up. But that's so weird. It's but the like, agents. The agents are reporting it because it's you know it's good. So is it always it. accurate? I would say ninety nine percent of the time it is accurate. Jeez. My number when I signed my first non rookie contract, it was with Chicago. I was a restricted free agent, and Orlando had seven days to match. I was on my honeymoon with Chelsea, so we're in Florence. I signed the contract. It's for three years. The total value of the contract was $20.194 million, and it got reported as three years, $19 million, and it fucking drove me, it drove me crazy, because 20 is like a nice number you round up, you know? 20 would be wonderful, yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> but for some reason, it drove me crazy yeah. that it got reported wrong, and it never got corrected. So to this day, yeah. I signed a three-year, $19 million deal. Which is inaccurate. Which is a lot of money, Jeez. don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it's the OCD. But you wanted, yeah. No, I it's appreciate that. I mean, look, you stand fit. You're in for a big deal, JJ. Let's be honest. You're in for a big old deal. Is the podcast going to survive when you're being paid the money that I think you're going to be paid from next year? Are you going to be asked? Which is bothered. It's an English expression. To be like, can the vertical podcast keep up once you're at the level that I think you might be at the end of next year? They've got to make me a sweet deal. No, I mean, I'm just getting woge. No, you know. I, don't, I, this, I, I worry about SeatGeek's budget. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with you, Jay. That's my worry for you. I, I try not to think about sort of what potentially you could make in a given year. And I'll tell you why. Because it, it's 
it's just a hypothetical. Like my wife and I, Chelsea, you, you know Chelsea. Well, we have this like <laughs> yes, sort of understanding, <laughs> yeah. and we we sometimes uh, fall victim to it. But yeah. we have this understanding where we try to avoid arguing about hypotheticals. Okay. And I think in life you should probably like it's always good to plan, but you should not like plan on a hypothetical. Like I don't expect anything next summer, so whatever happens. I'll be excited. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Clippers have just got to step up because you've got to stay there. You can't move away from LA. I mean, you know, it would be a tragedy. You can't. I mean, look, It'd be a tragedy for the Winston family. It would be. It would be a tragedy for the Reddick and the Winston family. You're not. We're not letting you move move out of LA. I'm gonna have. A, I'm gonna have to get to know Doc and have a chat with him. I'm gonna have to look. Come on, let's sort this out. Interesting. I listened to your Bill Simmons podcast the other day. Yeah, and uh, I felt like you said some wildly inaccurate things. <laughs> I felt like you said some wildly inaccurate things. I would love you, to hear what I said that well, was you wildly said that, inaccurate. You said that basketball was unlike any other sport because no sport requires team chemistry more than basketball. Is and that a direct used, quote? Did you direct use that, quote. Is that a direct, direct quote? Direct quote. Everything you say is, is implanted in my brain. And I thought to myself, what an American thing to say when like, you're referring to like baseball and NFL and you're right there, but you were entirely forgetting the fact that on a soccer game, you've got t- 11 players rather than five. You've got to work together on 110 metres rather than 29 metres. Granted, that's an English expression is metres, but you can work <laughs> out the feet. It's essentially four basketball courts. But it was interesting that you didn't even think about soccer when you were saying that, they, that teams need to work together. Because actually in more than, I think, basketball, there's no, there's no way that, that a player picks up a ball from a save from the goalkeeper and runs the length of the pitch and scores on his own, which you can do in basketball. Lionel Messi, if he's surrounded by 10 terrible players, doesn't do anything. But one star player in a basketball team, and they can do very well. Discuss. So I, I think there's a couple of... No, that's, I think, I think that's an interesting point you bring up. I stand by my comment, though. And, and I think the topic we were talking about was Golden State and they're, them having the super team and sort of... You know, the the context of that being that there's one basketball and someone's stats inherently are going to dip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, chemistry can be affected by that. And I'm not just saying Golden State. It happens all the time in basketball. Because in basketball, what gets sort of the marquee? The marquee is points. It's the guy who scores. And there's only one ball and there's only one guy who can shoot every time. In sports like a sport like soccer, let's say. There's defensive players, right? There's no expectation for them to score. The midfielders, it's not like the stri- it's the striker's job to score. Whereas in basketball, everybody's family, everybody's dad, everybody's brother, everybody's wife is saying, "You need to shoot more. You need to score more." Exactly. Like, that's why the expectation. Which exactly why basketball is less of a team sport than soccer, because you've exactly contradicted yourself. No, no, because no. Because I think I'm you're right. How, how I, I think chemistry is is important in the sense that it's fragile. So if you can. If you can master the chemistry well, of team, not being bothered that you're not the highest of putting, scorer, of putting sort of the team Ego goals, aside. the team goals yeah. in front of the individual goals, I accept that. But then the setup of even the way a football pitch is, and I'm going to keep saying football rather than soccer because I just not not for any reason, but I just forget. Yeah. So when I'm saying football, I do mean soccer. But a football pitch is set up four defensive players, four midfield players, two strikers. Ultimately. Any great individual in a terrible team will win nothing because a team has to on football. They have to be able to work together. If a fullback, a defensive fullback gets pulled out of position, the midfielder on the other side needs to drop back in and shift across. So if anything, it's like a game of chess. It's it's a real sport where on the left-hand far side, you see a player going out of position, you need to pull back on the right and shift across and cover them. It's a It's a massive team sport, which I don't think, I think basketball is to a certain extent, but you can win championships with two great players, whereas you'll never win a championship with two great soccer players because you've got nine others that aren't good enough. And actually, it's all about the greatest teams in the world. And well, that's why I felt like uh, you need to watch some more soccer if you think basketball I'm, is the biggest team I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that soccer isn't up there, but yeah. I, I disagree. I, I don't think you just win in basketball if you have two great players. Okay. You need like eight or nine really good players and you need to maybe one or two great players but i don't think it comes down to team chemistry as much as football but does. but in my world maybe just in my world yeah. it seems like sort of the the riffs the body language 
comments, it gets magnified more. So maybe in my world, yeah. I value that that sort of chemistry. Well, that's more. fair enough. And I think it's also probably quite important. And I don't, I don't follow European soccer, so I don't, I don't yeah, know. No, that's sort fair of enough. The... It's probably also it's 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 also because it's in your mind. It's what what you think about, I guess, with your teammates is the unity that you need to find as a side to do well, I guess, going forward. Yeah. And and I, I would say hockey is probably a l- more similar. Hockey's to, a good example. Uh, probably more similar to soccer and, and basketball than and th- I think the two examples I used in Bill's podcast about you know sort of being not as important, chemistry not being as important, were baseball and football. And and the reason I say a football is because everybody sort of has a very highly specialized skill. Like you block. I, and I'm, I'm obviously very oversimplifying things here, but you block on this play. Yeah. You run a route on this play. You know, your job is to tackle the guy. Your your job is to cover the wide receiver. Like it just it seems like it's more individualized. Like everybody's role is more individualized. And in baseball, same thing. Sort of you you have you play one position, and you're in one spot in the field. You might For get sure. the ball hit. To that you. I don't disagree with. It, it, it seems like baseball is a little more random. You get to bat every nine times. If you're a great pitcher, you get to pitch every five times so so baseball seems like it's a little more random and, and honestly you see in baseball too it seems like i don't know if I, I would have to look at the history books but it seems like <laughs> in the last 10 years or so there's a lot of wild card teams so yeah. not necessarily the best team in the regular season that has either won the world series or advanced the world series where as in basketball it's usually you know the, the, the best team the best yeah, team yeah, wins yeah. Usually. No, that's fair enough i'll give you that i understand how did you enjoy going to football your first ever football match oh it was your second one it was my second one. So you I've went. You went two, just to explain. We yeah. went to Arsenal versus Chivas the other week. It was an exhibition game. It was a, a friendly. A friendly is we call it. You don't yeah. call it friendlies. You call it exhibition games. Is that we have a preseason game? Preseason game. Yeah. But you enjoyed it. I had a great time. We yeah. we had a great time. We uh, we were lucky enough to sit in in Arsenal's box. Like we were we just were. like I didn't think it we was were like in there. me, you, and the CEO of Arsenal. We <laughs> it was great. Yeah, we rolled. We rolled deep. And also Meza Ozil, who's one of our best players, was sat with us for a little while. Yeah. He was, was in some very uh, tight white jeans. Yeah, yeah. Almost capris. I would describe him as capris. Yeah, he looked strange, let's be honest. He looked strange. Um, but but no, I, I, I love soccer. We Ben and I have talked about maybe going next summer, depending on sort of the, uh, well, the availability of our travel, you know, based on having newborns. Well, you have but, five months off a year, yeah. so it won't be a problem for you. <laughs> you've, we've, you've got a five-month vacation. We'll have newborns, though. I want to go, I wanna go to England. I want to go to an Arsenal game. I want to go to a proper game. I work for a living, and I don't play in the NBA. So, therefore, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's says, surprising that I don't play in the, the NBA. the guy who went back to Europe for a month. Who, me? Yeah. When did I go to Europe for a month? I went for a week. You went during the Brexit. I did. I was there for two weeks. You're right. You call we're not, this month, is not a political podcast, so we're not going to get into the Brexit or anything. We can do if you'd like. Oh my gosh, I don't want to. Okay, then I we went. It was it was very sad, but you know, that's it. We've talked about the Tonys. We've talked about the Emmys. We've talked about him becoming a father. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we haven't really talked about me becoming a father. Should we tell everybody that you outed at me to my oh bosses my at God. CBS? <laughs> Should we tell that story? Uh, this is back in May. So, so I hadn't basically. <laughs> Me and my wife, we're quite superstitious. You know, you don't tell anybody till your 12-week scan. You know, you just don't. You just don't tell people that, you know, you're pregnant, do you? Because, you know, it's just, it's bad luck. It, historically speaking. Until it's 12 weeks, that's the, that's there's, there's the, no real The traditional is that you there. wait till you, the 12-week bark. So we hadn't told anybody that we were pregnant. Literally, we hadn't told anybody. And uh, the night before our 12-week scan, we went for dinner with JJ and Chelsea. And we're sitting there, we had a nice dinner and... You know, it was the four of us, and Meredith wasn't drinking wine, and we just thought, you know what, we're going to tell you. So I said, uh, so you said, Mary, you're not having wine? I said, oh, no, she can't, she's pregnant. And we had a celebration, it was a lovely evening, I said, look, you know, don't say anything, <laughs> because it's not 12, 12 weeks scans tomorrow. And, and you also specifically said to me, I haven't told anyone at CBS. I haven't told anyone at CBS, no one knows, uh, you know, I haven't told my, you know, I've told, I told my mum and dad and my siblings and stuff, but I literally hadn't told, and I told James, but I hadn't told anybody else. And uh, anyway, so cut to this might be a really random story that we're getting into here cut to the next day and there's a dinner a charity dinner that my bosses at cbs had asked me to come to so we sat around this dinner and like literally the head of business affairs is sat on my left the ceo of the company is sat on my right my line boss the president of entertainment we're all on the same table socializing and having a lovely time they all know meredith they know me they've been the most wonderful partners in this show i love everyone at cbs and we're having a lovely evening together but you know there we are. 
And then there's one guy at the table who I didn't know. Just one guy I've never met in my life. Didn't know who he was. Because that's when you're in a dinner with like 12 people on a round table. You don't always know everybody. So we're sat opposite each other. And he's, and I said, oh, sorry, what, I didn't catch your name. And he said his name. And Arn, Arn Tellum. He said his name, Arn Tellum. Arn Tellum. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you, Arn. My name's um, uh, Ben Winston. And he went, Ben Winston. Oh, your wife's pregnant. <laughs> and everybody, it was like you could hear a pin drop. Literally, the entire table looked at me as if to say, like, what? Your wife? <laughs> Meredith's pregnant? Why didn't we know? How's this? And and I was literally like, uh, well, how on earth do you know that when literally we don't know each other and nobody knows that? And suddenly, like, they're all been very sweet, all these CBS people, because they're like, oh, God, it's something we're not supposed to know. And it happened that, what, you, by total coincidence? By total coincidence, I had had lunch with Arn, who was my agent. He's now working for the Detroit Pistons as, yeah. their, as their, sort of their CEO. And uh, we had had lunch that afternoon in Brentwood, and I was explaining <laughs> to him how much I like Brentwood and that if I re-signed with the Clippers, I wanted to move to Brentwood. Yeah. And I said, yeah, our, our my best mate, uh, you know, he works for CBS and – and he, and they're having and a they baby at the same time. His wife's having a baby. A baby. Yeah. My wife's having a baby. Yeah. The kids will grow up together. I did. I, I mean, what are the odds that I know? And then five hours, five hours later, <laughs> there he is, and he outs me. So suddenly, I called my wife on the way home because she didn't come to the dinner because she was in the throwing up phase. And I said, uh, just so you know, everybody at CBS knows that we're having a baby. And she was like, What do you mean? We haven't told our friends. We haven't told our family yet. Yeah, I know. Why did you tell them? I was like, I didn't. Uh, JJ decided to announce to the CBS network that we were having a baby. But uh, it was a very, I didn't, you thought I was going to be really angry with you as well. And I couldn't, I was less angry. I couldn't, I thought it was, I was really horrified. funny. I was horrified. I, I'm sensitive to that, you know. Oh, I Chelsea couldn't. and I, we, we waited maybe like an hour to tell our family, <laughs> like maybe. <laughs> and then like slowly, I think similar to how y'all told us, like if you go to dinner with someone yeah. and you don't want to make it weird. If like everybody's well, we were always going to tell you that yeah. night. We were always going to yeah. tell you that night, and it was around the time we were telling people. It was just so funny that like everybody here was like, "Hold on, you're pregnant," and they found out from a dude who I'd never met. I didn't know who he was, and it, I didn't even know how he knew. But uh, there we are. By the way, uh, this podcast is is running on Monday. Yeah, and my wife is having a child on Wednesday, so. By the next time That's I talk to you exciting. guys, I will be a father so of, are you gonna of two, do, are two you, young boys. Are you going to do a paternity leave on the podcast? <laughs> are you going to are you going to take like paternity leave and not do the podcast? Are we going to get someone else to do the I'll podcast take, instead no, of you? I'm, no, th- uh, there will be a regular podcast next week. Really? Yeah. Are you going to record it from the hospital? No, I'm going to I'm going to record it uh, maybe the who's, day before. Who's your guest next the week? Hospital. Blake Griffin. Is he? Yeah, Blake. He's your guest next week. Yeah, that'll be a terrific podcast. Um, I'm very we, we've had a string that. of non-sports, sort of non. Hey, hey, don't look at me and say non-sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a sporting god. I, I just, guess I've never Bill been Simmons discovered. is in, related to sports, but yeah. non-athletes, I should say. That's exciting about Blake Griffin. What? Although Jerry Ferrara from from Entourage, he, he would describe himself as an athlete. No, he thinks he's a good basketball player. But yeah, that's interesting. What are you going to talk about with Blake? That's a podcast that lots of people are going to really want to listen to. Have you, have you decided what you're going to talk about yet? Probably talk about the Clippers and in this past year. And yeah, just you need to do a bit more work there, JJ. If you, can, you know, you need to talk a little bit more. You need to make it sound a bit more interesting. I'm trying to plug next week's show for you. I'm being a TV producer with what's coming up next, and you're not helping me out. Have you ever seen Blake do stand up? Oh, he's incredible. Is he really? Can he actually do stand up yeah. comedy? He did. Uh, he, I think he did four straight nights at a comedy festival in Montreal. He was the host of the festival, Amazing. and so each night he had to give an opening sort of ten-minute bit. It was on Deadspin. It seems <laughs> I like want to see yeah. it. I'm very excited to see. It. I think that'll be a really good podcast next week. Yeah. I'd, when, I think when, he'd be a good uh, guest on the new Carpool Karaoke series. I wanted to ask you before I let yeah. you go. I want okay. to ask you about this Carpool Karaoke series. So you you sold sort of the rights or the names or the production? To, no, not really. Well, uh, uh, to, to well, Apple. Well, yes, what we felt was Carpool Karaoke is such a big thing, it could have its own show. And it would be a half-hour version of what you see now, but it wouldn't be musicians. Because so many people call the show and they go, literally, we've uh, I won't name names because it will get... But massive, Matt Damon. Matt Damon no, called I, and said, I want to do Carpool massive, Karaoke. Massive movie stars of yeah. that level. We'll phone and they'll go, we'd love to do Carpool Karaoke. But James, I and Rob are quite strict about it. If you come on Carpool Karaoke, unless you're Michelle Obama, then... You've got to be a musician because the point is you're going to sing their, your hits. Your own songs. Yeah, we want to see, you know, people singing their own hits and that's really important. So uh, 
lots of people like to do it though they want to do it so we thought well we think there's a show there a half hour almost interview show where you have a playlist of your favorite music and you sit in the car listen to your favorite music go on a road trip go somewhere make stops you know go and to a basketball game together or go and to your mum's house for tea or do all these different things that you can do together and do it with non-musicians and have cameos from musicians in the back seat. And we just thought it was a really fun half-hour show. And Jimmy Iovine has always been a big fan of ours and he's a friend of ours and he's running Apple Music these days. And we pitched him the show and he, he, he bought it. Carpool Karaoke will still carry on on our show with James, but then it will have its own series on Apple Music without James. So he bought it without James. He bought it without James, yeah. Was there any sort of back and forth? Like, was that a, a point of contention in the negotiation? Uh, no, not really. I mean, the show is good enough to stand off on its own. And we've got a really clever idea, which, although I'd love to give your podcast the exclusive, we've got a clever idea of how we can make the show work very well without James. And James will be an EP on the show like I am. And we'll be able to see people like Blake Griffin in that car singing it heart out rather than you know Gwen Stefani and I think it's it's a it's a new way of doing it it will be quite a different version from the version you see on our show and the version on our show will still carry on speaking of selling something uh yeah. one other thing that has happened recently that I have to bring up because <laughs> yeah. he, he is a vertical podcast with JJ Reddick alumni and that's Jensen Carp. yes sold his battle rap thing yes drop the mic drop the mic which was uh you know a, a bit on your show for a few weeks and yeah jensen came to see me yeah. probably four months ago he sat exactly where we're sat right now in my office and he said i've got this good idea for a rap battle show with celebrities my wife meredith named it drop the mic she went oh you should call it drop the mic which i credit to her and then i said to jensen you know what we should do we should try it out on on the show and we did it with Anne hathaway and we did it with uh David Schwimmer, Rebel Wilson, Dave Franco, Cara Delevingne. We've done it with lots of people. It's called Drop the Mic. And of course, as I sort of felt, it blew up online. It's been a huge viral hit. It's uh, Jensen has been a great writer on it and great producer of the bit, as has Eliza Skinner. And um, we sold it together. Jensen and I and James sold it to TBS last week. So there is a 16-part series coming to TBS next year called Drop the Mic, which Jensen and I will both EP together. The day... It announced. It got announced. Yeah, I got a single text message from Jensen, <laughs> and it said, "You know you're rapping, right?" <laughs> well, I feel like we should confirm this now because I feel like next year, granted, you know, well, hold on. When will the show be? The show will be at the end of the show will be out at the end of the season. So there's so no excuse. I'll be in LA. There's no excuse. <clears throat> you obviously won't need to do it for the money because it will be next year. But. Uh, <laughs> But um, but you can come in your chauffeur-driven car and, you know, with your diamonds and everything. I'm joking. I'm being silly. But no, we'd love to have you on the show. I think you rapping on Drop the Mic would be terrific. It would be a great promotion for this podcast as well. I'm in. All right, I, great. Yeah. I love that. I'm very yeah. excited about you doing it. Also, the home of TBS, which has the NBA... What does it have? It has, it well, Tur- has Turner Broadcast. It has TNT, you know, exactly. and it also has the NCAA tournament. I think we're going to do a yeah. basketball special as well for a couple of weeks, probably. I've got quite a few ideas about Jordan Mark. I'm excited to get going on it. But yes, Jensen is a big Clippers man, and, and that's what probably connected us and why we got on so well. Yeah. No, um, I'm excited about the show. A lot of great stuff happening in your life. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Of, it's, I think for all our listeners who, who really enjoyed your first appearance on this podcast, They've really enjoyed catching up with Ben Winston. Well, I'm very honored to have been back, and I can't wait for next week with Blake Griffin. That's a real highlight. I'm looking forward to that. We've got some good guests coming up. We really Who else have we got? Who else have we got? I don't want to sort of disclose all my guests, but the one that I'm really excited about is Bill Roden. Bill Roden is a a former writer for the New York Times, and he he just retired recently, and he's going to be out in California, so I'm going to drive down to Orange County. This is going to be a few weeks after the birth of my son, so... yeah. I may be on a little sleep, but I'm going to go meet Bill. You're going to go and do it. You're going to drive down there. Yeah. I'm going to meet Bill and we're going to do a podcast. You know, we've talked about, you're working very hard for Vertical Podcast. Are they paying you well? (laughs) Uh, Because I feel like. Lou, you can edit this part out. No way. No one's editing anything out. Um, Do you, are you enjoying doing the podcast? Have you enjoyed it? You're a year. How many have you done now? I believe you're the you're the thirty second or thirty third episode. So you're. But, I committed to doing fifty two episodes. So so you're. So we're we're way past halfway through. And, and we've passed the two million listeners mark. We're it's great. Yeah, it's we're doing brilliantly. It's a really good podcast. Great. You should be really Thank proud you. of it. But do you enjoy doing it? I do enjoy doing it. Yeah. 
Is it like an outlet for what you're feeling at the time? No, there's there's a part of sort of the creative side of your brain that you enjoy. But also, like, having people on like you, you know, when I had Jerry on or Bill on, and just sort of like picking people's brains and then having athletes on that maybe aren't basketball players. I've enjoyed that too because you, you always sort of get, you know, insight into kind of what makes a guy tick and what makes a guy great. And that's those are the sort of conversations that I have in private with people. You know, we had these these great conversations recently at your house. We we had uh, my first Shabbat dinner. You, you Friday night, yeah, yeah, Jewish Friday night, traditional yeah. Jewish Friday night dinner. Yeah. You came was, for dinner. We observed the Sabbath with you. Your did and you amazing. had done a lot of. I invited you over for Friday night dinner, and you had done a load of research during the day, which I thought was very sweet about like what it all meant and when you were allowed to talk and when you weren't allowed to talk. And I was like, no, we don't. We're not strict here. <laughs> it's more like a traditional everyone joining in, enjoying themselves. But you, but you sang the song, and yeah, I said the prayer we, over. We, Wine. I actually did not. T- I didn't drink the wine. By the way, Don't. it wasn't wine. Oh, it wasn't. No, it's not you actually alcoholic. Juice. It oh, is okay. always grape juice. All right, but I did my you research did today, it? and we brought a gift. I brought some kosher wine. You're so sweet. That's <laughs> I know. So funny. I know. But that was that was a, such a fun meal, and we had some hilarious conversations at that meal. Your business partner in the UK yes. and your best friend Gabe, Gabe Turner, Turner. Yeah. Uh, happened to be in Los Angeles at the time, yeah. so he stopped by for dinner. Uh, one of the funniest humans I've ever met. He was on his way down to Rio yes, because your production company, yeah. you guys are doing a, a documentary on Usain Bolt. Yeah, we've been with Usain for about a year and a half, and we're making a film that comes out end of November called I Am Bolt, and it's been an all-access documentary with Usain, and Gabe, who you met that night, is out with him right now. In fact, the final is in 25 minutes, the 200 meters final, so hopefully he wins that because that would be a lovely ending to our movie. But, but yeah, he it's did win the 100 meter goal. He did. Yeah. And Gabe was there. And there's a photo on my Instagram, if you look at my Instagram. Mr. Ben Winston, where he's celebrating with Gabe, which I love. But you enjoyed Friday night, didn't it? It was lovely to have you. It was lovely. It was it was a definitely a cast of characters at the table. Gabe, Jeff, Harry Styles. It was indeed. It was <laughs> Harry Styles, by the way, let me say this. Yeah. I, I've never met someone who's arguably as sort of in the pop world, he he's superbly famous. Yes. And he's young. Yeah. And he's got, I'm sure, just an insane amount of sort of attention and women throwing themselves at him. He's got such a good head on his shoulders. He really does. He's a phenomenal boy. He's amazing. Yeah, he's uh he's a wonderful wonderful guy and um yeah, he's totally down to earth. You would never realize the success he has because he's as grounded and as kind as you'll find in a person. I'm a big fan of it's his. It's amazing to me how all of you I don't want to. This is maybe derogatory, but all of you Brits stick together. It's you guys are all out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> we all hang out like, together. Like we're we're getting text messages at dinner, and it's like it's like, oh, David might come over, and I'm like, what? Da- da- who's David Beckham? David Beckham. <laughs> you said it, not me. Otherwise, but uh, uh, <laughs> well, let me pick that up together. off the ground. You just dropped, yeah, dropped I didn't do it. <laughs> you did. You did it both. So I'm okay. I got out of that. I would never have said that. But yes. Uh, but he didn't come over. But anyway, yes, it was a very nice Friday night dinner. I wanted you to meet everybody and come and great. hang out. And I thought I was hoping that Chelsea was going to give birth at dinner. I'd made I'd got some clean towels and stuff ready in case. Yeah. And I scissors. think we were all hoping she would give birth dinner recently at the Adele concert. That would have yes. been a great story. Yeah. yeah, but it looks like she's going to push through. Well, I'm very excited for you. So this time next is it this time next week you'll have two children. Two days from now. Wow. Two days from now. That's crazy. Wednesday the twenty fourth. Yes, it's going down. Wow. Yeah. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank fingers you. crossed. Hope everything goes great. Thank you. I've really enjoyed being on your podcast. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thank you for coming I on. I hope again. I haven't been a disappointment. I think we've covered everything. Time. I think we've oh, we covered, been... covered it all. We've, we've covered, covered it all. It all. <laughs> we've covered it all. People but I mean, let's be honest, people switched off about twenty five minutes ago. <laughs> people switched off during the champagne Emmy questions. I mean people were like, Oh God. Get a basketball person on. Who is this British dude who makes a TV show that I'm not awake for? I've once seen it when somebody was singing in a car, and Jay is talking about him for an hour and a half. I mean, this is meanders, but uh, but it's been a pleasure to be back right. on it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. I'd like to thank today's guest, Ben Winston. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to the podcast. Please tweet me at JJ Reddick for any questions and comments. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Indochino and SeatGeek. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Vertical Podcast. Catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.